Hear now a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this holy word. And all the people said, Amen. So today is the final week of our three-week series, Where Were You, God? It's a series that's based on a book written by Adam Hamilton titled Why and on a series that he preached at Church of the Resurrection, which is where he is senior pastor. In this series, we have been dealing with theodicy which is the theology that wrestles with the problem of evil and suffering. It's the theology that asks the question, how can evil exist? How can suffering be so central to human experience if there is a loving and powerful God, right? How do we reconcile evil and suffering with a God who cares for us? Well, in answer to the question, one of the things that we've been doing is we've been trying to build a strong doctrine of providence, which is the doctrine that wonders, how does God work in the world? How does God work in our lives? How does God provide for us and care for us? If you haven't been here over the past couple of weeks, you can find our sermons online on our website. can help you catch up if you want to, but I'm going to do just a little brief synopsis here. It doesn't hurt any of us to hear these ideas more than once because in those times when life becomes particularly difficult or fragile, it's good to be well-grounded in at least some understanding of what might be going on. So in week one, we asked the specific question, what does God not do in our lives and in the world? We deconstructed the prevalent presupposition that everything happens for a reason. We talked about the implications of this particular premise. We talked about how when we say that everything happens for a reason, we are on the one hand affirming that God is ultimately in control and has a plan for the world, which I would not dispute. On the other hand, we are also saying, when we say everything happens for a reason, that somehow God is the source of all those things that happen in our lives that are painful, that cause suffering, that are evil. We're saying that God somehow makes these things happen, presumably for some divine purpose to teach us something, maybe, or in the worst case, to punish us. But we said, you know, this does not seem consistent with who we experience God to be when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the one who we believe best reveals who God is to us. When we look at Jesus, we don't see someone who inspires people to abuse one another. We don't see someone who calls a nation to slaughter its own people. The God that's revealed in Jesus doesn't give us cancer, doesn't give us dementia. 
The God that is revealed in Jesus doesn't burn down a person's house or cause catastrophic car accidents. And Jesus never tells anyone to terrorize a school or a house of worship. On the contrary, Jesus' whole life, ministry, and death were grounded in compassion and mercy. A compassion and mercy that feeds the hungry, that heals the sick, that welcomes even the most suspect stranger into the fold. Jesus' life was a call to all of us to love God and to love each other. We also remembered together that in the book of Genesis, in the creation story, we learned that God created everything. The earth, the plants, the animals, and God established the laws of nature which provide order. And that these laws of nature, while they provide all the things that the plants and the animals and us humans, this planet needs in order to thrive and flourish, the laws of nature can also sometimes be destructive causing those who find themselves in its path to suffer sometimes. And God created humans to care for creation. God made us to care for creation, and God made us to be free, to have the freedom to make choices. God provides us with all that we need to make good choices, with things like, among other things, the law, the prophets, the life of Jesus. And God is so committed to our freedom that God allows us to make bad choices, choices that can lead to suffering. Last week, we talked specifically about sickness, and we talked about accidents, those terrible things that sometimes happen that are outside of human control, and we talked about the role of prayer. We said that we don't know why our bodies are so fragile or why there is sickness necessarily, but we trust that God does not inflict illness on us. And we also talked about how it seems clear to us that God did not create our bodies to last forever. God doesn't intend for us to live forever here, but that this life prepares us to live forever there in the presence of God where we will be whole where, as the book of Revelation tells us, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, no more death. And we learned that even when we feel completely abandoned by God, God is always with us. And we saw in Jesus' expression as he stood by the tomb of Lazarus that God weeps with us when bad things happen. God weeps for us. And I didn't say this last week, but Jerry Callan reminded me on the way out of the sanctuary last week that even when God seems silent, even when God seems to be ignoring our prayers, God is listening and God does answer our prayers, though not always exactly the way we pray them or the way we hope. God doesn't suspend the laws of nature or work through miracles very often. But in the midst of difficult times, God can and will guide us and comfort us and grow us in our faith in ways that we might never imagine. Today, we talk about how God does work. What does God do? How does God intervene in our lives? 
Mary Latham was devastated by the news of the Sandy Hook massacre. She was just glued to the television watching news report after news report. Finally, she called her mom, devastated. Mom, how could something so horrible happen? And her mom answered her and said, you know, Mary, there will always be tragedy, but there will always be more good. You just have to look for it. You've got to focus on the good that's out there. At the time, Mary's mother was battling her second round of cancer. Mary took her mother very literally and almost immediately, within days, started a project focusing on finding the good. She posted on social media that she was collecting stories about acts of kindness and asked people to email these stories to her if they had them and wanted to share them. A week or so later, Mary's mother was admitted to the hospital and Mary and her family were told that her mom had days at the most, maybe hours, to live. So she and her family, they all gathered in the waiting room in the hospital to be there together and support and love one another, to be with her mother. And as they gathered there, she said that she felt completely hopeless. She felt lower than she had ever felt. Somewhere along the way, she decided she would check her email, and when she opened her email, she found a story that someone had emailed her in response to her social media post. It was a story of incredible kindness. And as she read it, she said, it sparked a little bit of hope, even in the midst of her terrible circumstances. When her mother died a few days later, she decided, in order to honor her mother, that she would get in her mother's car and drive through all 50 states to meet with people and collect stories of acts of kindness. She did this completely reliant on the kindness of others, in more cases than not on complete strangers, to provide her housing and her food. She was determined to find the good that her mother insisted was out there. Her plan was that she would gather all of these stories and put them together in a book that she would then donate to hospital waiting rooms, thinking that as people waited, maybe feeling as hopeless as she did that day, reading some of these stories might rekindle some hope in them. She collected some amazing stories. You really need to visit her website, find out more about her. There was one story in particular of a woman who donated her kidney to a complete stranger. In her TED Talk, Mary passes along a little bit of wisdom that a very kind taxi driver passed on to her. And he said, the most important work you'll ever do is the work you do with your heart. The most important work you'll ever do is the work that you'll do with your heart. God is at work in our lives and in the world. God doesn't stand off at a distance and just watch everything thing unfold. But God's primary means of working in the world is through 
the hearts and hands of people. We are the agency by which God operates in the world. That was God's intention from the very beginning when God created humans to care for creation. You see it throughout scripture. When God wanted to birth a nation that would become the light of the world, God called Abraham. One of the least likely people to call to birth a nation given his age at the time and his wife's inability to produce children up until that point. Their children, their descendants became Israel. When God wanted to set Israel free after living in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, God could have personally entered the throne room of Pharaoh and compelled him to set all of the the Hebrews free. But instead, God called Moses, someone who stutters. I mean, he was terrified of public speaking was called to go and talk to the leader of that country. You might remember the giant, Goliath. He was one of Israel's arch enemies. When he was taunting the Israelites, God did not personally strike him down, though God could have. Instead, God called David, a young and very small, to hear the story, shepherd boy. And when God wanted to speak to Israel, God called prophets. And when God wanted to reveal God's self, when God wanted to redeem redeem God's people, God came to us as a human being, born as a baby, Jesus. God works through people. Free people, people who have the freedom to choose. God does not coerce us. God will never force us to do God's will, but God will influence us. God will nudge us. God's spirit will inspire us. Often it's in a whisper, so you have to pay attention. I'm guessing, though, that all of us have heard God's voice at one time or another. We've probably all heard God's voice whisper in our ear at some point, don't do that. And Gene, you did it anyway, didn't you? (laughs) Yep. And then we regret it, right? Likewise, I'm sure all of us at some point in our lives have sensed God nudging us to do something to respond to a person's need, to respond to some injustice, to act with kindness and mercy. And maybe it seemed too big. Maybe it seemed too hard. Maybe it seemed beyond our reach. Maybe it just wasn't a good time. We didn't do it. I bet many of us can recall almost immediately an instance where we feel like we missed an opportunity to be God's grace. God does have a plan for our lives, for the world, but God does not compel us to live into it. But when we surrender to God's plan, when we open ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, answers come. Our actions are inspired and more good happens. And when a whole community of people come together who are all seeking and longing to do God's will, who are all listening 
for God's whisper, you have the church. The Apostle Paul called the church the body of Christ. Christ's physical, visible, and active presence in the world. When we despair at the evil and suffering in the world, when we rail at God, why don't you do something? We are actually railing at ourselves. Our indictment toward God is actually an indictment against God's people, us, the ones God created to be divine agents caring for creation, caring for each other. Look, God created the world and everything in it, and that was very good. God designed the natural laws that bring order, and that was good. God reveals God's will through the Holy Spirit, and that's a really good thing. And then, when people pay attention and they surrender themselves to the leading of the Spirit, God works through them, through us. Suddenly, immigrants and asylum seekers are getting water to drink. Victims of Hurricane Harvey are getting their homes rebuilt. Women and men who are in prisons get to experience the love and grace of God through people who have been inspired by the love of Christ to visit them, to minister with them. People who are hungry get fed. Members of this congregation and friends and family of members of this congregation during some of the most fragile times in their lives receive prayer, receive encouragement, encouraging cards, prayer shawls, more food than you could ever imagine, and they receive visits, all good and kind and healing and redemptive experiences of the presence of Christ. God is with us always. At least 35 times in the Bible, we read, Fear not, for I am with you. In Isaiah 43, it says this. Listen. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When, not if, but when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when, not if, you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. If you remember, the last words that Jesus speaks before he ascends to heaven are, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Shirley Guthrie is a well-respected theologian, and they write, God forces evil to serve God. God forces evil to serve God. The Apostle Paul said something very similar to that in his letter to the Romans. We just heard it. It was the scripture we read. Let's listen to it again. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. 
when we listen, when we respond, when we surrender to God, there is more good. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul had experienced all of these things. Paul is writing from his own experience. No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. During difficult times, during painful times in our lives, in the midst of unspeakable evil and tragedy, it's easy for us to lose our faith, to lose confidence in God. It's easy sometimes for us to walk away, but God never walks away. And God is always waiting for our return. Maybe you heard God's voice speaking to you this week. Maybe God called you to this place to hear these words. Maybe this was a divine appointment. Maybe you hear God calling you right now. I am your God. You are mine. I am your Savior. Come to me. Amen.